Welcome back, everyone. This week, Kayla got to sit down with Lisa Melodinovich, the owner of Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. Ain't Seen Nothing Yet has been a stallion to watch with his incredible foals such as Ain't Seen Me Yet, Promise Me Fame Guys, and Ain't Seen Famous Yet, winning everywhere they go. We got the opportunity to talk with his incredible owner, Lisa, about how he became a part of her life, how she manages being a stallion owner with a full-time job outside of horses, and her thoughts on the industry. This episode is packed full of the type of questions you really want to know from one of the best owners in the industry. Today's episode is brought to you by Horsepower Nutrition. Horsepower Nutrition is the future of equine wellness. The first step in getting to the winner's circle is a healthy horse. Horsepower 90 is a holistic hole-in-one to provide your equine athlete with the organic nutrients they need to perform at their full genetic potential. If you're interested in increasing stamina, strength, and immunity while decreasing inflammation naturally, then go check out Horsepower Nutrition's HP 90-Day Challenge. They guarantee a stronger and healthier horse or your money back. Follow them on Instagram to find out more. Just for our listeners, there's a 15% off code for the HP 90 Day Challenge. Just use the code MONEYBARREL at checkout. All right, Lisa, you're in the hot seat. Kayla, take it away. This is the Money Barrel. So one of our most requested guests is Lisa Milodinovich, who owns Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, and today we have the opportunity to talk. So thank you for joining us. Hey, thanks for having me, Kayla. It seems like I talk to you a lot, but not on the phone. I was just about to say that. This is actually the first time we've spoke on the phone, but I feel I like know. we've talked for years <laughs> on social media. Sure. My mom seems to talk to everybody because she takes all my phone calls for shipping on Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. So she seems to know everybody on the phone. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, how's it been going? I know you're crazy busy, but how's life? It's been wild. Um, kids, cows, horses, full-time jobs. Yep. We, we've been busy. Uh, like I said, probably no busier than anybody else, but boy, it seems like it just doesn't ever slow down, but maybe that's a good thing. That is a good thing. You'll never be bored that way. No, no, definitely. We like to keep it interesting. <laughs> so let's just kind of get into it. Um, like I said, you were one of our most requested guests and, <laughs> you know, I just think Ain't Seen Nothing Yet has got so much attention recently, um, you know, the past couple years, but I don't know if anybody really knows your guy's story, so why don't we just tell your story? Well, I guess we can kind of dive into um, how I got into horses. My mom had horses growing up, but she never really showed or did anything like that. Um, we grew back, I grew up back east, I'm born in Pennsylvania, and spent some time of my life in New York, um, and I remember the horses in New York more than anything, and um, I don't know if you were real familiar with back east, but it seems like the endurance horses are a lot more popular back there, hmm. um, so I grew up riding Morgans, and Arabs, and Andalusians, and horses that were really fiery, and had a lot of spirit to them. So when my dad's job got transferred out to Wyoming from New York, it was kind of a big shock. Um, so we took the endurance horses out to Wyoming, and um, we actually had to make everything we had. Cause, I mean, we, we weren't well off, but we had horses. Um, 
I know that sounds really odd, but every horse that we pretty much owned was given to us free, um, not trained. Um, so we had to make everything we had. Uh, and I think I made the horse that I remember the most. His name was Raylan's Casanova. He was a Morgan horse that came off of a farm up there in New York that he was a cart horse and he was a flunk out. So, um, we ended up getting him and training him, but he was a bucker, but we got him through that and I showed him in open shows and that's kind of how I got into the horses. And my mom never had a horse for us that was easy to ride. Um, and I look back and I'm like, was she trying to kill me or (laughs) what? Like, you know, we never had anything really broke or safe or anything, but I think it boiled down to money, you know, because, you know, good horses that are trained cost money. Yeah. Did, so, did your parents ride at all or how did you? My mom. Oh, she yeah, did. My mom rode. Uh, my dad, no, he's a total city boy. Um, so he didn't have anything to do with the horses. He still gripes about them to this day. It's kind of funny. Um, but no, my mom was always big into him, but she never got into him like I am. You know, it's totally different. Um, but so we moved to, to Wyoming and um, we got into the horses more and um, had to train my own horses. And then I think we got this mare called Robin's Rhythm whenever I was pretty young. And she was a breeding stock paint and she wasn't trained. She was ugly, awful. I don't even know, even know why my mom bought her. I was like, oh my gosh, like she's terrible. Um, but we brought her home and after a few years, I kind of got interested in her and I started training on her because I really didn't have a lot of horses to ride or be around. So um, I actually turned her into my main horse that I actually rode and showed um, in 4-H and then open shows. And I won junior all-around on her, senior all-around on her. I did everything on that mare. Um, And then actually, she turned out to be my barrel horse. And that's how I got into barrel racing. Um, I know that's crazy to think, but... She was a mare that was not bred to be a barrel horse. She was a breeding stock paint out of Painted Robin Jr. and Kingfisher lines. I don't know how many Painted Robin Jr. horses are out there running barrels. Maybe there's more than I know of, but um, that's kind of how I got into it. And I actually was getting so burned out on showing and being in the horse business. I actually completely almost sold out of everything. Um, But um, one of my friends back in Wyoming when I was living there got me into the barrel racing side of it and that's kind of where it all started um I took her and I college rodeoed on her and um yeah I guess uh, started taking horse judging classes because I really wanted to learn about confirmation and how a horse should be built and how you know form to function and all that fun stuff and um, so I used you to write English and um dressage I mean I did the whole gamut <laughs> yeah you were really do it yourself, kind of learn as you go type of rider. Had no other choice. And then I I also trained other horses um, that we had that I showed. And then I kind of got into buying and selling horses and training, selling horses and tuning on horses to get myself through college. And uh, that's what I paid for to get through college. So I didn't have any debt coming out of college. So, um, yeah. So that's how that that started and then I bred that mare because she ended up fracturing her sesamoid bone um, to dash for perks and that's really how I got into the barrel horse side of it and the rest is kind of history because I started you know researching bloodlines and what was proven and this and that and the other and um, 
so yeah, I would train horses and sell them and then move up to something better and bigger. But it seemed like I kind of got in that training side of it more than anything. And I never really went back out on the road running barrels after Robin got hurt. Okay. And um, that's kind of how Ain't Seen Nothing Yet came into play. Uh, I was like, you know, I really want another. I, I love stud horses. I've always loved riding stud horses and mares. I'm not a big gelding person. Never have been. Um, I just like, maybe it's because I grew up on endurance horses and I like that fire and, you know, I like a little bit of a challenge and that's, I think why I, I may be drawn to them a little bit more. I'm not quite sure, but I was, you know, you say the rest is history, but that's still a pretty far jump from training your horses to owning the level of stallion you do today. So You know, for a while, I think I thought that you bred and raised Ain't Seen Nothing Yet, but I now know oh. you found them. So tell us, um, yeah, I mean, how you went from the Dash for Perks mare to sure. finding this stud. So I had bred my good Dash for Perks. Mind you, I, I had several horses come and go from there until what I just told you. But yeah. I ended up with a Dash for Perks mare called Dash Up Perks that I still have to this day. She's one of the very first barrel horses that I actually bought. Um, she never got finished because I was in college. Um, but I was researching, and I, I ended up breeding her to Frenchman's Guy trying to get a stud prospect because this mare is just built so phenomenal. I was like, oh, I'd love a stud horse out of her if, if they were worthy to be a stud, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but she kept throwing fillies, and um, so did her dam that I had. She kept throwing fillies too, so I was like, man. It's like, I'm never going to end up with a stud colt. Um, so I started looking and gosh, I think I was looking for like seven or eight years. I, I wasn't being picky at all. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's some, that, yeah. that's some dedication. Yeah. So my mom even kind of laughed at me. She's like, you're never going to find what you want. You're just way too picky. You're being way too, you know, we went to many cells, looked at many horses. They're just, you know, I wanted color. I wanted legs. I wanted pedigree. I wanted eye peel. I mean, I wanted, wanted it all, and honestly, I wasn't going to settle until I found it all, and uh, I found Ain't Seen Nothing Yet. He was on Barrel Horse World, and mind you, I would go to Barrel Horse World every single day, if not several times, just, like, looking for something that somebody posted, you know, and uh, he popped up there one day, and I saw him, and I was like, oh, well, he, he didn't have the best pictures on there, but I was like, well, he's kind of cute, you know, um, I'm going to call these people, and email them and well I emailed them and it was kind of late at night and they never got back to me I was like oh man maybe he sold already and then I called them the next day and they had I think they had a few inquiries or whatnot and I was like oh gosh you know I'd love to have this horse and um they sent me more pictures of course I was kind of being very thorough about what I wanted and wanted to see before I spent that much money on a weanling (laughs) um so pretty much the rest is history on that too i sent the money and had him shipped out to wyoming from west virginia is where he came from from sean and scott darnold they bred him and um he wasn't the nicest baby he was little very little um gangly uh, and rotten he <laughs> wanted to bite he was not very nice to be around um, I don't know if he just wasn't handled handled as much or what, but my mom was there when he was unloaded, and she was not impressed. She uh, took him down to the round pen, and she said, your little jerk is out in the round pen when you get home. I was like, oh, 
okay. Oh, boy. So, um, yeah, I got there, and the first thing he did, he walked up to me like he was king you-know-what and went to bite me. And I was like, uh, no, sir. <laughs> so he got a lesson on that real quick with me and learned that that's not what we do. So after so long searching for a stud, Mm-hmm. You find one online that didn't have the best pictures from across the country, yes. and, and you pull the trigger. Was it? Did you yes. just have like a gut feeling, or what about that? Were you like, you know what, this is what I want? I don't know, Kayla. Honestly, to this day, I can't one hundred percent explain it to you. But I just was like, you know, when he fills out, like looking the way he tied in together, and you know how his legs were and whatnot, I was like, you know, he's gonna he's going to really grow into a nice looking horse. And my mom's like, okay. You know, <laughs> she's like, you are crazy. And cause she was comparing him to, so my other Frenchman, the guy Phillies that I have, and they were just beefcakes. I mean, just huge. And I kind of joke. Cause when I bought Slick, ain't seen nothing yet. Um, I didn't, his name was Hogan when I bought him and I had to laugh. Cause when he showed up, I'm like, he is far from a Hogan. Like, <laughs> He is definitely not that. So, like I said, I changed his name to Slick, and um, sadly, I did not know about Slick by Design at that time, or I would have probably named him something else, because everybody's like, are you talking about Slick by Design? I'm like, no, no, I ain't seen nothing. (laughs) Our name is Slick. Oh, that's funny. uh, But yeah, so there, I bought him, and then um, I kept him blanketed for the longest time, because he was just so puny and tiny, and I was just so embarrassed, and I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I did make the wrong choice, and even my vet that came out joked out around with me. He's just like, what did, what, what did you buy? And I was like, Oh my gosh, my vet that's usually the nicest person in the world. Just questioned my horse buying abilities. <laughs> so here I am just mortified, but you know, over time feeding him up correctly, putting him on the correct diet, um, getting him really looking good. Uh, he started to fill into himself and, you know, my mom even commented, oh, yeah, he's really coming around. I was like, yeah, 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 give him some time, and we'll see what he turns into. But, so in the meantime, I went to college. I bought him as a college graduation present for myself because he would be just old enough to fraternity when I graduated college. Okay. So I hauled him all over creation, Wyoming, Colorado, Arizona. Um, he went with me. And I trained on him down in Arizona. Uh, easiest horse I ever broke in my life. Like, I was like, there's got to be something to this horse. Like, he is just too easy. Um, I was riding him in the washes downtown. I mean, there was just nothing that scared him. He was two years old, and he was so bold and just didn't didn't spook at anything. He was one of those horses that ran towards stuff that most horses would run away from. Him. So um, I think that's why they love attention is because they like to get into stuff that they probably shouldn't. Um, And he's like that to this day. Like he loves chewing on lead ropes. He likes eating your shoes. He loves just being a total goofball. And that's just his personality. He's a big dork. Um, So that's kind of, you know, I trained on him and I don't know. The rest is kind of history, like I said. And um, he got hurt as a yearling. He got underneath a crowd panel that was... Um, uh, secured into the ground so there was no give to it so when mom and I found him as a yearling we thought he broke his leg off because he wasn't moving he wouldn't get up you could see where he was thrashing around um, and we were, we pulled him out from underneath there and it was just so swollen his leg was so we had the bed out and they're like no he didn't break it it's just swollen he'll be fine 
So um, I went to training on him and I didn't look back and it just, it started showing up about two and three. Um, He's a real hard stopper and he starts shifting off his right leg. And I'm like, what the heck? So had him injected, um, did really well. But then once, you know, that wore off, he started doing it again. And then after breeding season, um, when he was a three-year-old, I saddled him up and he literally took the fender in my saddle and threw it like a Frisbee about 10, 15 foot. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is where, you know, my vet in, in Wyoming came to play, Dr. Vallejos. We took um, him up there and he said, you know, Lisa, I think I could plate and screw this and, you know, put it back together because he did break it. And... Um, sadly after he opened him up he called me while they were in surgery that when they went to go do that drilling pattern in that bone it just turned to dust and just disintegrated oh no so you you were able to know what you had but weren't ever able to show it sure yeah um it was devastating um because like i said i bought him as a fraternity present for myself no my parents did not buy him for me that's one of the most crazy questions I get to this day no my parents didn't buy him um but yeah so like all my dreams and everything was just crushed I was just like oh my gosh maybe I'm not meant to run barrels anymore or have horses anymore you know you start questioning things after bad things just keep coming at you yeah but um no so we had to shift to the breeding side of it um so I was in college and I didn't have the money to advertise in magazines. I didn't, you know, have the money backing me at all. So I, I find it interesting when people ask me this, but he is a social media stallion, you know, through and through. Um, what I can count on one hand how many, ma- how many advertisements we've done in a magazine. What year was this? Like when you started standing him? We bred him to my mares only in 2010 because he would have been a two-year-old. So we bred him just to my two mares just to kind of see what he would throw, okay? Okay. And we throwed semen on him at um, Vista Equine in Colorado and then also at CSU. And they told us, you know, you know, freezing semen on a two-year-old stud is sometimes not successful and, you know, don't don't expect anything well his numbers were off the charts and they were like whoa you know this horse is a freak you know so we got mares in full he had excellent semen um and to this day we're very lucky that that's you know continues to be the case with him so he was at vista in 2010 he was there in 2010 and 2011 no that's a, and he was in Buckeye, Arizona with me. The reason, yeah, the reason I asked, because now I was just trying to think of like, I was like, I know I've been Lisa's friend on Facebook for <laughs> like years. And <laughs> I was an intern at Vista Equine in 2010. And so that must be where it started because I remember him being there as a two-year-old and being like, who is this like stunning young stallion? And then because that's what I do, I add people as friends on Facebook to, <laughs> to follow horses. Um, and that's probably how I became friends on Facebook. Cause I remember those ads. I remember they were ads you made, you know, put out like they exactly. They weren't a professional magazine ad. They were something that you can make on your computer. 
Yeah. No, no professional photos can afford those. No professional magazine ads can afford those. I mean, we're talking, I was straight out of college, you know, like there's, <laughs> you know, I don't have a job or I had a job. I had to work, you know, as a bartender and a massage therapist, but you know, you only work, can only work so many hours when you're in college, as you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was limited funds. And like I said, he was a social media stallion through and through. And I, I don't know how to say it other than that, but Yeah. I mean, that's just, that really goes to show because, I mean, through the Colorado Classic, I've seen what the ads are, and I don't think a lot of people quite realize how expensive it is, but, like, I mean, just in the Barrel Stallion Register, you know, a full-page ad in one magazine, you could easily spend four to $5,000 on, like, one month's worth of advertising. Absolutely. I just... um I can tell you now, but ain't seen nothing yet, won the cover photo for Barrel Horse News Registers. And um, they came out and did professional photos of him. Mind you, we've never had professional photos done of him, <laughs> um, which is kind of cool. They're supposed to be coming back. Um, and I, you know, I'm actually going to put him in the Barrel Stallion Register, and I've never done that either. Even though he's booked full, I can't take any more mares unless you want to do ICSI contracts this next year. Um, but yeah, it's kind of wild how that all kind of came into play. Like, I, I was like, there's no way he's going to win that because we never advertise in Barrel Horse News. Like, we don't ever advertise in magazines. Like, there's no way he's going to win that. And then they called me and I was like, what? No way. Like, this is wild. So you're right. I mean, no professional ads, no professional photos. No advertising in magazines because we purely could not afford it, Kayla. I mean, that's what it boiled down to. Yeah, I, I just think that's so, I mean, really it is impressive that because it just goes to show that, like, you have, you, you can have money and, you know, advertise a lot or you can just work really, really hard and still get the name out. Like, I'm looking right now, I mean, he has 41,000 followers on Facebook. That doesn't just happen. (laughs) That is some dedication. Um, You know, and I I know I've kind of stuck with his career for a little bit. I I feel like I need to mention our friend Danny Bueller because (laughs) she was the one that was like, no, 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 you got to breed to the stud. You got to breed to the stud. He's going to be the next big thing. And I mean, she said that from from 2010, you know, college days as well. Um, oh, her. she's just such a dime. I love her. So what, I mean, so tell us when you first started standing, um, I guess tell us your, your philosophy behind standing a stud, because I feel like you have very unique thoughts behind it and oh. I would like to share them. Okay. Well, I had another stallion. Um, he was a foundation bred stallion whenever I first started this whole stallion craziness um but we never bred the you know the numbers that we're doing now um i ended up selling him and trading him for my dasher perks daughter i had and then um you know ain't saying nothing yet only bred two to five mares you know for those first few years because we weren't even really concentrating on breeding it was just kind of oh you want to breed to him okay you know i can run him here or have him there to collect and Um, but then after we had the surgery and he, you know, wasn't able to hold up, I did ranch on him a little bit after that. He loves working cows. Um, 
but he just, he gets so sore. So I was like, okay, plans are going to change. We're going to turn into the stud business here. We have no idea what we're doing, but Hey, if we breed 10 to 15 mares a year, cool. Like I'm cool with that. Like, honestly, I could have this horse for myself and nobody else. And I would be perfectly fine. And I stand through and through to that to this day. He is a horse. He's my horse. He's so much my horse. And he is not going to leave here. I know a lot of people are like, you're going to sell him. No, I've been offered crazy money for him. Blank checks. He's not going anywhere. He's going to die here with me. He's not going anywhere. So if anybody has any questions, he's not going anywhere. Say say it again. Say it again if they ask. He's not going anywhere. He's like my child. Like, literally, he lives right outside my back window. And I check on him like he is my child. Like, he is that important to me. Um, So we bred very little amount of mares and let me tell you something when you have an unproven stallion and a young stallion you're not getting the best mares i'm sorry i don't care who you are you're not getting the best mares are they bad mares no are they the best mares no but you have to you know there's a give and take there so i'll never forget tessa gillette and shannon wade they are the two that bred in 2011 and that's what produced ain't seen me yet that maggie runs and uh seen it in the stars um and he was also a 1d barrel horse arena record holder we all know ain't seen me yet arena record holder slot race winner pro rodeo i mean that girl's won everything on that horse Um, yeah and that was out of his second crop that he ever had out of those two babies they were both arena record holders they were both 1d barrel horses like how does this happen like wow okay (laughs) So, yeah, and then um, Ain't I Perfect, I can't forget about her, Carrie Don Johnson has her, and she's made her into a Wendy Barrel Horse, too. That was his very first baby that was ever born on the ground down in Oklahoma. Um, she's not as much on social media, so I can't keep track, track of her as much. Um, so, uh, but yeah, anyways, moving on. Uh, so, I screened mares. I require pictures, pedigree. I want to know what you're doing, the babies. I want to know the history on your mare. And that's kind of how we did it, Kayla. Um, I was very picky about what was bred to him. I've turned down a lot of mares to this horse. Um, if you don't have the time to tell me and elaborate about your horse, then I'm probably going to pass because I'm very passionate about this horse's babies. I want to follow them. I love when people tag me or, like, involve me in his babies because I just literally can't keep up anymore. I try, but it's so hard. Um, but I love it when people tag my horse or whatnot so that I can keep up with their success and whatnot. It makes me so happy. Honestly, I get tears in my eyes most of the time whenever I get sent stuff. I'm just well, like, oh my God, is this is real life. I just want to clarify, cause you know, you said that you're really picky, but, and you have turned down mares, but yeah. when you first started, I mean, you were, you were kind of focusing on confirmation on good owners, on yeah. people that, you know wanted to do something with them and I just think that's really that's really special because I mean again if you look at ain't seen me yet's pedigree you'd have absolutely no idea who her mom was like yeah there's Meridoc a couple generations back on the bottom but like uh-huh. it's not Rambler, yeah I, mm-hmm. I think you know and you look at ain't seen famous yet his mare that mare ran on the track but she never really produced or did anything other than that um you got just a DTF Frenchman. He's probably one of my favorite stories. 
that Crystal McIntyre fraternityed him, and then uh, Jessica Anderson took him over. And he's a one-day winner. He's a record arena record holder down in Texas. And I was just talking to her last night. This is hilarious. That mayor did nothing, and she jokingly said she tried to buck my mom off several times. That's all she did. I was like, oh, my gosh. So she was a Pepe fan, Badger bred mare, and they actually originally bought the contract to breed to the on-money red mare, but she died and then had to sub this mare because that's all they had to breed, and then it turns out to be this 1D arena record holder cult. I'm just like, oh, my gosh, isn't that wild how things just... There you go. Things just work out sometimes. Tessa Gillette, Seen Into the Stars, that mare, if I can recall, did not do anything. Maybe a sibling did. And then I love, like, uh, Promise Me Fame guys. His mama was awesome, but she's not really, you know, she's a, I think, D-flip bred horse. And, um, yeah, so people are like, what? Like, how's he bred? Like, it's so funny to me because... I think the mentality comes back to, you know, everybody wants to breed a blue hen mare or the best mares. And who doesn't want to breed those type of mares? I mean, that's just the reality of it. But when you have a young, unproven stallion, you have to settle with what comes your way if you approve of the horse, right? Yeah. And I think that that's probably the biggest thing is, you know, if they didn't have the confirmation or you sent me pictures that your mare were in poor condition and you couldn't feed them when they weren't pregnant or when they had a baby on their side, I'm probably not going to breed your mare. And that's why I still, to this day, as you know, require information. And some people get really upset. And you know, it blows my mind. It's that some of the biggest people in the industry that throw a fit about it. Because they, they probably just need to know who they are. <laughs> yeah. That, I was are. just about to say that they're probably like, wait a minute. You don't know so, who I am or who my horse is? I have to I have to laugh because my mom, she is so far out of touch with reality. She's I love her to death, but she doesn't know bloodlines for nothing, right? So she'll get people that are call her up and be like, Well, I'm so and so and she's like, Well, that doesn't mean anything to me. Who are you? What's your name? What's your horse? <laughs> like, you're not gonna get treated any different whether you're high up in the you know Hi up here, you're a nobody. Like, seriously, we treat everybody the same. It's, I don't know how to explain it, but it is funny. Because my mom's like, well, this person so-and-so called me today. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, Mom. Oh, that's so funny. But I love that. I mean, I love that about your guys' programs. Because I do, you know, good, bad, indifferent, whatever you think about it. They're with the incentives nowadays. I do feel like... There's a group of people that probably feel like they're never going to be able to get into that category. Like you said, simply because of lack of funds, you know, not able to do something like that, or they're not, you know, in that elite category. But, you know, being able to go to a race or a breeder or a stud owner and just be treated like a normal person, no matter who you are, I just think that's so important. And I feel like we miss that a lot in the industry. Yeah, I I agree. I, I think... You know, I was a mare owner for a long time, and I swore to myself that I would never treat my mare owners the way that I was treated by some of these farms and studs and contracts, and we could go on for days about that, but it's just, you know, um, customer service, where is it gone? Um, I, Mm -hmm. I don't know, but my mom and I try so hard to make everybody count and, you know, make 
make you try to get a baby. You know, we're, we're here to try to get you a baby. It doesn't mean no good with you not getting a full on ground. Um, so I think, I don't know. I think the little man is, I don't know, far and few between, I think, anymore. It seems like everybody's going to big stallion farms, which is great. I mean, you can afford to do it and want to do it, great. Like, honestly, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just we've decided to go a different route. I went to equine reproduction school to learn how to collect my stallion, how to freeze my stallion, how to AI my own mares, how to ultrasound my own mares, how to, you know, infuse a mare once we're having trouble. I mean, I was very hungry for knowledge after I graduated college to learn that stuff. And I'm very lucky that I'm able to do it. I love it. I was going to ask, you guys collect, you do everything with him, right? Because he's at your house and he's at your house 100% of the time. Yes, he doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, I learned to do that in Oklahoma at Equine Reproduction LLC, and they were fabulous, very thorough. It's one of those things, though, you have to do. You have to do it a lot to be comfortable with it and kind of get really good at it. And, gosh, I learn something new every day, honestly. it's. I just try to share what I've learned as a mare owner to my mare owners. I think you could probably know this uh, reading my contract I feel like we are so thorough with everything we put on that contract that people usually don't have questions after they read my contract yeah as long as as long as they read it and don't forget to tell you that their mare is in full sure like some people like me (laughs) well I mean we do follow up with most people but you know a lot of people are like well what do I do and where do I order and what you know I was like okay I'm gonna send you the contract you're gonna read through it if you have questions for me let me know. Yeah. But most of it's, you know, pretty cut and dry on there, of, you know, what we do and um, how it's done. I just wish people would be more proactive about cultures and cytologies and finding a vet that knows what they are doing. I, you could save so much money in your life if you go and you find somebody that knows what they're doing. They might be great as a lameness vet. They might be great as your general vet, but are they good at equine reproduction? Because you can throw a lot of money away in a short amount of time if you mess around with someone that doesn't know what they're doing. Yeah, 100%. And, I mean, I think that's that's the tr- truth. Um, I mean, I have great friends that are, are repro vets, and they'll still go to other lameness vets to get their horses checked. Or, you know, my lameness vet is married to my repro vet, and he's like, don't ask me questions. Go ask my wife. Like, she's the repro vet. So I think that's a really important thing for mare owners to take away. I just, I almost feel like there should be a database started of, hey, here's who you should go to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I it, And I've learned myself over the years. You know, I've made bad mistakes too in the breeding horse industry. Um, you learn from your mistakes. But I try to educate people so they don't make those same mistakes and spend thousands of dollars that, you really don't want to spend on, you know, something. So, yeah, I think you can throw a lot of money away real quick. Um, so I just wish people would, you know, do their education. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people are messaging me, will you talk about how mare owners treat the stud owners and how the studs always getting ridiculed? And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for that because I have some of the most funny stories over the years of, you know, vets putting – the semen on the warmer too long and it fries all the semen and it's like well it's all dead well yeah if you leave it on there too long it's gonna die um so you know just education of you know 
oh, oh, my mare came up open. The semen was bad, but there's eight other mares in full off the same collection. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, we try to do our due diligence of, we keep a sample back. We always look at it 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours. I'm a big stickler on that. And if there's any question, I reach out to people. But I tell you what, you know, you do it right, you collect it right, you send it right, you should have no problems if you have a vet that knows what they're doing. Yeah. I mean, valuable things. And like you said, just be proactive about it. Like, just because you search out a reproduction center doesn't mean that, you know, you're, you don't like your main vet anymore. Just, just be smart about it. Exactly. And, you know, even people are like, well, my mare's a maiden. Why do I need a culture? I'm like, you know how many maiden mares are bred that were dirtier than mares that have had babies? Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's a cheap and easy way to just do your homework. And, you know, you can ship on a mare two, three, four times. And then you're like, okay, what's going on? You know, my first question is, hey, did you pull a culture? Well, no. Or no. Well, I think my vet did. You think or you know, you know. Yeah, ask those questions. So when did he start going from, you know, you're happy to breeding 10 to 15 mares a year, and I feel like he's, like, rocketed to stardom. (laughs) Oh, man. So when when did that start happening? I would say about 2017, 16, 17, somewhere in there. We were breeding upwards of 100, 120 mares a year. Oh, wow. Uh, so, I mean, but you got to think, you know, you've got some mares that come up open. You've got some mares yeah. that abort. You know, you've got all that stuff. To, you got people that I have over 100 babies that aren't registered on AQHA. Um, we could go into that all day long, but I don't understand why people don't register their babies. I don't, but that's a whole nother conversation. Um, but, yeah, I think it's in 2017 is when he really started hitting pretty hard, you know, when his babies really started getting out there doing something. And he doesn't have big crops that are young. I mean, we're just going to now see, you know, in the next year or two, some of these bigger crops hit. And I think more people that will futurity because we did have a lot of people that are ranchers and ropers and people that just wanted a good using horse that bred to him for years. You yeah. Know? And so now we've got. I mean, this last year, I can't, it's just overwhelming for me to even think about it because all the top fraternity trainers and NFR horses that are being bred in 22, I'm just like, I I was like starstruck. Honestly, it it hasn't even sunk in yet. Like, holy cow. Like, what is he going to produce with these, these type of mares? Like, wow. But yeah, I think he was starting to get a little bit more popular even before these big incentives really hit. And... But now that the incentives have hit, it has been even, wow, like, yeah, that's yeah, the only and then word I got for you. Maggie and Puff come on the scene, and then all of a sudden it's like, wait, what? Yeah, it, it, it was just, it blew up. It, and I hate the fact that Seen and the Stars was the same um, crop as uh, Ain't Seen Me Yet. But they actually had to put him down. He had, a, I think, a tumor in his intestines. Mm. And they actually didn't wake him up off of the table. So, unfortunately, his career was cut really short. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's a whirlwind. And these incentives have just changed the game so much. And um, I feel like it's a great thing. But I also feel like, I feel like we're backing ourselves into a corner. And that's the only thing I don't like about it. And... 
I, I don't know, Kayla. I don't know how you feel about it. I don't know what your stance is on it, but um, the money's great. The breedings are great. The mares that you get are great. But how do we balance out, you know, new bloodlines? And I don't, I don't know. I, I'm still trying to figure this one out. All right, everyone, that wraps up this week's episode. Unless, of course, you're subscribed to The Money Barrel on Patreon. Lisa's extended episode has about 25 more minutes, and you can gain immediate access to that and a ton more content by becoming a Patreon member today. Thank you for tuning in week after week and listening to our awesome guest stories. Don't forget to head over to Horsepower Nutrition's Instagram and use code MONEYBARREL at checkout. All right, run fast, be safe, and we'll see you soon.